Excellent. Glad it clicked off here. That was my fault. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter number four, chapter number one. Excuse me, Mark chapter number one. And uh, I want to preach this morning on on the beginning of the gospel. The beginning of the gospel. It's amazing. This this uh, really, I take my title from the text that we're going to look at, Mark chapter number one, the Gospel of Mark chapter number one. And, uh, and he says here in, in verse number one, he says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins and he did eat locusts and wild honey. Praise the Lord, you're not eating locusts and wild honey today, amen? Verse 7, And preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege, the opportunity that we have to be in your house. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart as only you can. Father, I pray uh, even for those who have tuned in online, and God, I pray that you would uh, speak to each and every heart, Father, and God will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at our text here, I want to uh, open up with the, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Really, that's kind of the title. It's interesting. The gospel of Mark opens up really uh, so abruptly. I mean, he just kind of starts right off. A lot of the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, of course, gives the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of Luke gives the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And John even takes them all the way back to the beginning of time and, and really the, uh, the creation and, and shows how he was involved at the time of creation. But Mark unfolds and he just opens right up and he jumps right in uh, to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we think about that, uh, we have a responsibility to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, maybe you haven't been doing that, or maybe you're like, well, I didn't realize that was my responsibility. Maybe this would be the beginning of the gospel where you would share it with other people in your life. And uh, maybe you had started and maybe you had stopped. And I find one thing is true across life is that we always need encourage to continue doing what we're supposed to be doing. 
And I know even in my life, sometimes, you know, you say, well, we're supposed to be doing this one thing and, and we get busy, but then sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we forget and sometimes things change in our life and, and we, we drop what we were doing and we get occupied somewhere else. And when we come back, we don't even realize or we don't remember to pick that one thing back up and to continue forward with it. And so whatever the reason and whatever the uh, place that we're at, I want us to be encouraged this morning to present the gospel to the lost and dying world. I, I mentioned in Sunday school this verse, this must have been where I thought it was in my notes. I had it in my uh, church notes, not my Sunday school notes. But uh, uh, First Peter or 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God certainly desires people to be saved and be born again. And he uses us, people, to let other people know that, hey, Jesus Christ loves you and he cares about you and he died on the cross to save you for all of eternity. And so we have a great responsibility and uh, this message is not going to spread on its own. It's something that we have to physically pick up and we have to say, hey, this is my responsibility to get this out to the lost and dying world. And as he opens up, as we've seen here in the first eight verses that we read, he starts right out with uh, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is an interesting character. Matter of fact, he's, uh, he's somebody uh, that's enjoyable to read about because he's quite the character. And, uh, and we, obviously, we don't know John the Baptist, and I, I think someday when we get to heaven, uh, he'd be an interesting character to sit down and to talk to. A lot of the Bible characters, I, I find it extremely interesting, and, uh, and I, I'm sure in heaven we will see them, and many of them, and we'll be able to talk to them and say, hey, you know, what was your life like? And, and they, uh, our life is so far different, uh, just with electricity, just with everything that we have. And, uh, and it amazes me, really, uh, some of the characters in the Bible. But in verse number 2, he starts right out and he says this. He says, after the first verse talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, verse number 2, he says, As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. And I want us to notice in verse number two that there's a messenger that God has sent. In this case, and specifically in this case, it was John the Baptist was Jesus' messenger. And he was a messenger for a very specific time and a very specific place that Jesus Christ would come into the world and that John would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. But as we look at that, nonetheless, the, the responsibility that John had as a messenger of Jesus Christ is the same responsibility in all reality that we have today. Now, Jesus came physically to the earth at that time when John the Baptist was the messenger. And Jesus is not physically coming to the earth, but hey, nonetheless, we have a message and we ought to be messengers that are proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. And in order to be a messenger, uh, the first thing is, hey, you've got to be saved. You've got to be born again. You cannot be a messenger for something uh, that you don't understand or you have not received. Uh, you, can't, you can't go about selling um, a product 
if you don't work for that company. Uh, You've got to have some kind of relationship or contract with that company in order to sell that product, in order to work for that company. And listen, as a Christian, that's the same thing. We've got to be born again. We've got to be saved in order to, to give the message of Jesus Christ. That's the first step. And the Bible is very clear. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That simply means that, listen, there is none of us that are perfect. Every one of us has sinned in our life. If I were to ask for a raise of hands, and I'm not going to do it, but if I were to ask a raise of hands and say, If you've ever told a lie, then raise your hand. Then every hand would have to go up. And if your hand didn't go up, I would know you're lying. Because we've all lied. It's just part of life. It's just you start out and before you realize it, you say, oh, I lied. I remember when I was, I was young and, and, uh, and, and my mom said, said, did you do that? And I was scared to death. I thought, man, I know I'm going to get it. And I said, no. And I lied. And I knew I lied. Immediately, I was like, why did I just say that? That was dumb. And I'm thinking to myself, I just lied and now I'm going to get even worse trouble because now I lied and she knows I did it. She saw me do it and that was dumb. Listen, we're all sinners. We all have sin in our life and and sometimes we we don't even realize it. We just sin without even realizing. But listen, it's that sin that the Bible says, hey, there is a punishment for that sin. The Bible goes on and it says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. Now, what is a wage? Well, a wage, very simply, is something that you earn. If you go to work all week long, or maybe you work for two weeks, or maybe you work for a month, or whatever the time period is, and at the end of that two weeks, uh, or at the end of that week, or whatever it is, you ought to get paid. That is the wage that you have earned. You put in X amount of hours, then you ought to get X amount of dollars, and uh, if your uh, boss or your company does not pay you, you would be irate. You would probably get a lawyer even. Say, listen, I put in the time and they didn't pay me. And uh, and that would be right. The Bible says that the wages or the payment for our sin is death. And what is that death? The Bible goes on and and it says in Revelation chapter uh, 21, it says, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters. And you're saying, man... That's a bunch of bad people. I'm glad I'm not in lot with them. It didn't stop there. It goes on and it says, and all liars. Well, now we're included in that group if we've ever told a lie. It says, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And that's what we deserve because of our sin. And no, it's not enjoyable. No, it's not pleasant. No, it's not something that we want. But the verse in in Romans goes on and it says, For the wages of sin is death. But it doesn't stop there. It says, But the gift of God. And I'm grateful that God has a gift. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Or through Jesus Christ, excuse me, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'm grateful that there's God has given us a gift. I'm grateful that He offers us a gift. And, and listen, if we don't accept that, uh, then, then hey, we, we won't be saved. 
The Bible goes on and it says in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, so many people run around and they say, well, I believe in Jesus. Well, I believe in God. Well, I believe in this. And they have a confession of their mouth, but they have no belief within their heart. They've never trusted in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, uh, for, with the, uh, for with the heart man believeth unto the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And it goes on in verse 13, it says, For whosoever, and I'm glad that I'm a whosoever. It doesn't say for just the good people. It doesn't say for just the, uh, the people who, who join a church. It doesn't say for the people that uh, get baptized. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm thankful that God gave that gift, that He took my place on the cross of Calvary, that He shed His own precious blood, that, hey, we can be saved and we can be born again. And listen, uh, if you've done that, then you're saved, and He expects you to be a messenger like John the Baptist was. And it says, as it is written in our verse number two, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Look with me at verse number three. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Verse number three is amazing uh, because John the Baptist is to go to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ and he's to prepare the way and he's to make it plain and make it clear and say, hey, listen, Jesus Christ is coming and he is the Messiah and he is the Savior of the world. And, and he even said when he came, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And he was saying, hey, listen, there is a way that needs to be prepared. There is a way that needs to be straight. He says there in verse number three, prepare ye the way of the Lord. I'm amazed the longer I live on this world and the more that I, I, I have my eyes wide open as far as what's going on in the world. And I, I look around and I say, the world has a strange way of perverting everything. And I mean just making things crooked and wrong. And you look at things and you look at even good things that were set up to be good. And one thing that's amazing is anything that's been set up to be good eventually turns to something that ends up in a disaster. I mean, you look around and you see, and one of the places that you can see that is you think of uh, education and you think of higher end colleges and, and some of, most of those, and I've said this before, uh, most of them like Harvard and Princeton and most of those started out as Bible colleges. Man, you wouldn't so much as walk in there with a Bible today. They, uh, you'd be the laughingstock mockery of all of them because they totally deny the Bible and deny the existence of God and deny creation and, and they're against the things of God. And what I'm saying is, listen, they've totally perverted everything that's been good and gone a whole different direction. And I'm amazed at how the world is able to just twist and turn everything that is right and everything that is good and make it somehow bad. It's amazing to me. 
But yet that's what the world does. They do it time and time again. And you can see that it's, uh, it is, we live in an absolutely crazy, uh, crooked world. And the more time that you spend in the world, the more crooked your thinking becomes. Uh, I talk to some people sometimes, and, and I'm just amazed, I really am, at how, how they think and, and their processes of, of determining what's right and what is wrong. And many times it doesn't have anything to do with God. It's all, uh, well, this and that, and they kind of make up their own way of what is right and what is wrong. Listen, John the Baptist was called to determine and say, hey, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Listen, God is not crooked. God is not perverse. We use that word crooked. We think of uh, a crook as, as a crooked dealer, as a crooked uh, a businessman, as a crooked... Uh, why? Because there are people that, that don't do things right. But yet when we think of God, listen, God is righteous and everything that God is going to do is going to be righteous. And his idea is that, hey, we would have a life that is straight. The Bible says, save your spot here in Mark chapter 1 and go with me to Isaiah chapter number 40. I would like you for you to see this in the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 40. And it talks about there's the prophecy that gives directly to John the Baptist and him being uh, the one that was prepared to, for the, for, for the uh, coming of the Messiah, that he would prepare the way. Isaiah chapter number 40. And look with me at verse number 3. Isaiah 40 and verse number 3. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse number 3, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a, way, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken in it. That's the prophecy that's talking about, hey, making a way that is straight, a highway that is straight, that it wouldn't go around the mountains, that it would go straight through them, and that it wouldn't go through down through the valleys or go around them, but it would go straight, that it would be a way that would be absolutely straight and absolutely perfect for God. And John was that voice in the wilderness. He was crying out saying, hey, prepare ye the way of the Lord because he's coming and he wants a straight way. Listen, as we're the messengers, I think, boy, that really applies to our life. That we ought to have a straight life. One that is right. One that is correct. One that is living right for God. One that is without sin. And that's not to say that we'd be sinlessly perfect because we're still going to mess up. But hey, we ought to be heading in the straightest direction that we can. I was reminded of another verse as Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13. He said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Listen, the world wants to say, well, you can go this way or that way. I mean, uh, they'll say it all the time. Well, you know, all, all roads lead to the same place and there's more than one way to get to the same place. Listen, that sounds good, but that's not what Jesus said. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. He goes on and he goes, uh, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. 
Listen, we're on a narrow road that ought to, we ought to be living our life in a narrow passage. Why? For the honor and glory of God, because God has called us to be messengers and to prepare ye the way of the Lord. Straight is the way. Hey, listen, we've got to have a life that lines up. John the Baptist had a life that would people would look at him and they'd say, man, that guy is the forerunner of Christ. They knew that he was the prophet that Isaiah was talking about. They knew, hey, this is, uh, this is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And may you and I, may our lives represent forerunners of Jesus Christ that they would look at us and they'd say, that guy is right. He's not perfect, but he's right. He's a good guy. He's living right, and He does right, and He does stuff that are different. He's a messenger of Jesus Christ. Look with me at verse number 4. We see not only the messenger in verse number 2 and 3, but I want you to see in verse number 4 the message that He proclaimed. Look with me there in verse number 4. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. We don't have time this morning to cover it, but I will say this, that baptism does not save people. It is simply showing the change that took place within them. We've looked at it many times in the past, and we know that there's so many verses that uh, clearly point out that salvation is by grace through faith and that it is not part of baptism. Uh, but, but people will take one or two verses like this and they'll run off with it and find out they'll, they'll develop a doctrine that, hey, you must be baptized in order to be saved. And listen, the Bible's very clear in so many other parts that, uh, that baptism is not part of salvation. But we ought to be baptized as a show and a display that, hey, we have been saved. So we see that here, but, uh, but listen, as he goes on, he says this, repentance for the remission of sins. What is repentance? I talked about it this morning in Sunday school. It's simply a, a sorrow and a turning. It's recognizing that our life is not right and saying, you know what, I want something different. And while we can't change our life, if we'll turn to God, God can change our life. And God will make a difference in our life. Uh, I, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And God makes a difference in our life. He makes us somebody that's completely different than what we used to be. Listen, there's, there's something wrong with somebody that says, Well, I'm a Christian, and they continue to live the way the world lives. There's something wrong with that. And maybe they're just not, not following God. That's possible. Maybe they're not saved. I don't know. But I do know this, that a saved person, the Spirit of God comes into them and is going to be telling them, hey, you ought not be doing that. You can't sin as a Christian and enjoy it because the Spirit of God won't let you. And He'll tell you and He'll subtly say, hey, listen, that's not right in your life. And He'll convict you of those things Listen, all these people in the Bible were saved. You think about Saul. What did Saul do before he was saved? He went around. He was persecuting Christians. That's what he was doing. And as he was on his way to persecute more Christians, God appeared to him in the road uh, and in a bright light, and, and he accepted Jesus Christ. And you know what? His life was changed after that. He went around preaching the gospel after that. What about Peter? He was a filthy, foul-mouthed fisherman. And you know what? God cleaned up his foul language, changed his life. 
and said, hey, from now on, you're going to be a fisher of men, not a fisher of fish any longer. And he changed his life. What about Matthew? He was a a cheating, stealing tax collector, just like Zacchaeus was. But listen, God came to their lives and changed their life and made a difference out of them. And, And Zacchaeus said, and this is how you know Zacchaeus got saved. He said, man, if I've wronged any man and any man that I've stolen from, I'm going to return the money to him. This was a tax collector. You say, man, that guy got saved. Yeah, he got saved. God made a difference in his life. And listen, when you get saved, God is going to work out and He's going to iron out all the crinkles out of your life and He's going to want to make your life straight and a messenger ought to have a a good life that is straight uh, so that He is proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. And listen, that repentance, people will see the difference in our life. And the message will match the messenger. And they'll say, hey, what He says matches His life. He's not preaching something other than what he is. He's preaching the same thing. And listen, not only the repentance, but praise the Lord for the remission. And that is the forgiveness or pardon of our sin. Hey, thank God that my sins are washed away. We sing that song. We we haven't sung it in a while, but uh, we've sung it in the past, I believe. um, You ask me why I'm happy and I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. Man, there is nothing more refreshing than knowing all my sins are washed away. Hey, that Jesus Christ changed my life. And I'm not perfect, but I'm grateful that God washed my sins away. The remission, the repentance was part of His message. The, The receive Jesus Christ. He said, listen, there's one that comes that is greater than I. And listen, I might baptize you with water, but He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. He's going to change your life. He's going to give you the Holy Ghost that's going to live inside of you. His message was towards Jesus Christ. We see his message of repentance, remission, and receiving Jesus Christ. Not only do we see the messenger, we see the message. I want you to notice this This is interesting in verse number 7 and 8. Look with me there. We see his meager exit. Look with me there in verse number 7. It says, and preach saying, "There there cometh one mightier than I. After me the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down. And unloose. You know, John's entrance was quite spectacular. Matter of fact, let's think about John's entrance for a moment. Who was John and how did he come on the scenes? Look with me there in verse number six. Look at it there. It says, uh, And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locust and wild honey. Listen, John was peculiar even for Bible times. I mean, they pointed out that he was clothed in camel's hair, and you know that probably wasn't comfortable. I mean, uh, you think wool is itchy, you should try camel's hair. Not that I've tried it, I don't know. But I just imagine that couldn't be comfortable. And he was eating locusts and wild honey, and and people would look at him like, John, can't you go to the market and just get, uh, get, uh, get something normal like everyone else? But they looked at him because John was a peculiar character. But listen, as we think about the fact that John was a peculiar character, listen, the world will look at us and they'll say, well, those guys are weird. They go to church on Sunday. They go back on Sunday night. 
They even go on Wednesday. They even give offering. Can you believe that? Not only that, but I've heard tell that they'll open the Bible during the week on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and read the Bible. Talk about strange people. And the world will look at us as peculiar people. Do you think I'm like The world, that's strange to them. They say, man, how many times do you need to go to church? The world thinks. How many times do you need to read the Bible? The world thinks. They, they look at us and they think, well, that's peculiar. That's different. Listen, the Bible says in Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Jesus Christ saved us so that we would be peculiar. Now, I'm not talking about going out and being weird in front of the world. They think you're weird enough just because you dress different, just because you don't drink, just because you don't go out and party, just because you don't do drugs, just because you don't run around like they do. They think that's weird already. And they say, man, that's a peculiar people. He's a strange fella. I've heard testimony of people that have witnessed other people and they say, well, you know, that they, they would look at me and they thought that I was weird. And so one time they came up to me finally and they said, why are you different from the rest of us? And that fellow, you know what he did? He got out his Bible and he said, you know why I'm different? Because Jesus Christ made a difference in my life. And that fellow said, man, I should have known he was a Bible thumper. I should have known he was a Christian. And weird Christians, they're peculiar. John was peculiar. When he came on the scenes, man, he drew a big crowd. Look with me at verse number, um, verse number seven. Uh, well, verse number, yeah, verse number seven. I'm sorry, go back to verse number five. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. John drew a large crowd. Man, they came out. They said, man, this guy's weird. He's wearing camel's hair. He's eating locusts. And he's eating honey. He's a strange bird. Maybe they say that about you. Oh, they're strange people. Man, they go to church. They don't do all the things we do. They, they read their Bible. They're strange people. And they might come out just to see who you are. But oh, that they'd hear the message. And they'd say, oh... Well, his life fits the message. And we see the meager exit in verse 7 and 8. Look with me there really quick. It says, And he preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. John, in his exit, points to Jesus Christ and says, I know you guys came out and you were curious about who I am, but can I tell you something? There's someone far greater than me. He's the one that made me who I am. His name is Jesus Christ, and he will change your life. You ever think about the people, I know you haven't because you don't even see them, the people that prepare the way for important people. You've never seen like the political figureheads, the presidents or kings or famous people and, and they have an entourage of people and, and they 
clear the way and they make sure, make sure the, the guards are put up and there's people in place and, and, and then uh, the important person comes on and, and they walk through and everyone's, you know, oh, they're trying to get to them and they can't get to them and, and then all of a sudden they enter and, and all those people just fade away and nobody knows the names of those people that stand there on the sidelines guarding them. That's what we're to be to Christ. Hey, just point everyone else. Hey, God is so good. Christ is so much better. Never mind who I am. Hey, look at Christ. He is the greatest man. That's exactly how John the Baptist exited the scene. He said, you know what? It's Jesus Christ. He's mightier than I'm not even worthy to bend down and to undo his shoe latchet. That's how much better Jesus Christ is than I am. And he was pointing people to Jesus Christ. I want you to notice as well about John. It's not in our text. It's a little bit later. But John the Baptist, just because he pointed to Christ, didn't mean, well, I'm all done. I've done my job and I can stop living right. No, John continued to stand for what was right. If you know the Bible and if you know his life, he was put in prison for righteousness. Matter of fact, he was beheaded for standing for what was right. And he continued to live the life. He continued to do what was right. But his main desire and his main purpose in life was to point people to Jesus Christ. He was, the me- he was a messenger. His message was Christ. And he had a meager exit and saying, man, I'm nothing. But God is so much better than who I am. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, Are you a messenger this morning? Is your message that of Jesus Christ to your lost co-workers, to your friends, to your neighbors, to those around you? We ought to be pointing people to Jesus Christ. In a meager exit, sometimes people get in the limelight and they enjoy that and sometimes they want to stay there. Listen, use anything we can to point people to Jesus Christ and then back away and say, you know what? He's far more important than I am. Father, I pray that you would just bless each and every person that's here. God, as we think about the message, the messenger, our life being straight, being right, being correct, living right, doing right, so that our message against sin and towards God for the remission of sins would match what we say. God, may our life be right. May our message be right. May our motives be right in pointing people to you. God, I pray that you would help us as we desire to tell others about you. And Father, perhaps there's one here that would not know you this morning. God, I pray that they would put their faith and trust in you. And God, in simple faith, just call out to you and ask you to save them. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we have just a short hymn of invitation, if God spoke into your heart, whatever the need, the messenger ought to be straight. The message is that of salvation. And may we not get caught up in people looking at us and 
become the center of attention, but may we point people to Jesus Christ. Let Him be the center of attention. Let Him be the most important thing in our life. 